This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have uh, one of our, our HITS instructors, we have Mike Goosby from LAPD. He's going to be teaching for us for the first time this year when we're in uh, Phoenix. So how are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well, Jeff. Doing real well. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Um, I know you have a, a, a very a deep background with canines. So if you could just start off by just kind of talking about, you know, maybe a, a brief synopsis of your, your police career in general and, and canine specifically. Yeah, I've been on uh, LAPD for uh, 30, a little bit over 30 years now. I'm a sergeant and a chief trainer in the uh, canine unit. And I worked, the, you know, you name it on LAPD, I probably worked it. I worked, you know, uh, undercover narcotics. The, when I came on on a job early on, I was real young. And so they threw me back in high school as a student. And I worked undercover in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was fun. That was, that was a different experience. I got a chance to do all the things I wanted to do in high school <laughs> that I couldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> And so then from there, I went on to patrol, working gangs, and uh, I finally ended up in Metropolitan Division, which was my goal because I did want to work canine. So I was in Metropolitan Division for a year, and then I uh, was lucky enough to be uh, selected to go to uh, Metropolitan Division canine platoon. And how many years uh, total canine have you got now under your belt? Uh, total years canine under my belt now, 20, a little bit over 22 years. And probably what, six, seven dogs maybe? Yeah, so... Yeah, so the way it works is uh, I, I personally, when I was a handler, I had uh, two assigned dogs. My first dog, Thunder, I worked him for seven years. And he was one of the first Malinois that, that our department acquired. And uh, a lot of learning experiences with him. And my second dog, Luca, I had him for four years, and then I made sergeant. So I handed him over to another handler. And he worked an additional another uh, seven years after that. But as a trainer, you know, as a chief trainer, I, I take dogs in all the time. And what I, the way it works is I train them up you know, to a certain level, and then I hand them off to a handler, especially if it's a seasoned handler that's had a dog already, doesn't need to go through basic class anymore, just needs to, you know, hit the ground running. Because for us, you know, it's not about, you know, we have our in-house training, we train all of our dogs in-house, but for us, it's it's about working dogs, not training dogs. So if I can get a handler off sooner, then I'm going to do that. Sure. And how many uh, dog teams do you have right now under you? Uh, Under me, I have uh, 20, I have 18 dog teams and 24 dogs. So the way that works is we're a single-purpose uh, canine unit. All of our dogs only go out and do tactical searches for outstanding suspects or any tactical intervention that a dog is uh, either going to be used as a resource or maybe a requirement. That's our, our unit handles that. Narcotics has their own dogs. Bombs have their own dogs. So everything in LAPD, we're very fortunate. They're all single-purpose. But in our sure. unit, we have 18 uh, what most people can refer to as patrol dogs. I call them tactical search dogs because our guys don't work patrol. They're a full-time canine unit. They don't handle any radio calls, any, sure. any, uh, any traffic enforcement, anything of that nature. And then we have five, uh, six, I'm sorry, six uh, gun detection, single-purpose gun detection dogs. Outstanding. And overall, how many cops are in LAPD? Oh, we're looking at uh, 10,000, maybe a little bit under 10,000, a little bit over. I'm not the exact number yeah. right now, but we're, we're pretty, uh, pretty cop-heavy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, realistically, for your population and the square uh, miles of your city, you're really... You're kind of spread out a little bit, I think. Yeah, you? we are. We have uh, our the city of LA is 503 square miles, and then our population, you know, ranges from 3.4 to 3.8 million give, on any given day. You know, 
pick your, yeah. video, pick your account. So we got a lot of folks. We have a lot of folks, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of moving parts here in the city of LA. Yeah, sure. And you know, luckily, I've, I've spent some time with your units. I'm pretty familiar with it over the years. Um, one of the things that I think when people start doing the math there, and they talk about ten thousand cops and nineteen dogs. At first, nineteen dogs sounds like a, a bunch of dogs, but then when you you do the math, that's a awfully small unit for the size of department you have. But I think there's some some advantages as far as like the dog experience, the handler experience. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I tell our guys all the time that they're, uh, you know, that and not knocking anyone else's program or knocking anyone sure. else. But I tell our guys all the time they're very fortunate. You know, if if there was a uh, the poster canine experience, our guys get it. They come in, they're single purpose. All they do is handle canine calls. If they're not on a canine call, they're training every single night. You know, so for us, the, the, the whole dog experience, you're, you're really immersed in it. It's not a matter of you riding around, your dog's in the back seat, and hopefully you get a call where you can reply, you put your dog out. You know, any call you go to, your dog has come out of that car. And that's probably sometimes, oftentimes, you know, two, three times a night. So they're getting a the full experience of it. And they're getting a the full experience of having a, having a unit, whereas you got 18 guys, and so you have 18 different levels of experience and life experience. And so you're taking all this stuff in and they can, and they can work the unit from start to finish. You can come in a unit at six years on the job. You can come in a little sooner than that, but just say you came in six years on the job. You don't have to leave until you re- retire if you want to. Sure. So they get the full experience of it. Sure. And then I think a real positive part is that all the dogs get a lot of experience too. You guys aren't, aren't fighting each other over for the hot calls because there's no. plenty to go around. Yeah. So well, yeah, the way, you, the way it used to work back when I was a handler, it was that uh, the first one to the call would be up. So now you got, you know, you got 16 canine handlers racing each other to different yeah. canine <laughs> requests all over the city. Darn, they're killing each other, anybody else in our yeah. way, you know. <laughs> so the way we work it out now, though, is like you said, Jeff, there's, there's plenty of work to go around. So the way it works out now is that we get to the search, and the first question we ask is who's up. And we generally know. We, know, we generally know who had a body last, who had a yeah. who fine last. So who's up? Then that person's up. They get to pick their spot. Now, in picking your spot, though, that's up to you. Because once you pick your spot, that's your spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if that bad guy's on someone else's side, well, you know what? You better pick better next time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then we're very fortunate, too. Our guys are very fortunate because if they come out of training, you know, we have two levels of certification. We have a limited certification. We have a full certification. Well, when a handler's in limited, we call it the salad bar, so to speak. That handler gets every unarmed search that comes out, that dog gets it. So you're immediately coming out of training and you're going to see the uh, successes and sometimes the failures of sure. your dog in the real world right away. Sure. So let's, let's talk about that real quick. Cause I know that's something that like when I was out there with you guys, um, we don't have, uh, uh, when I was still in the patrol uh, canine, we didn't quite have enough resources to, to, to mimic it, but it, it was a good idea. And we did it to, you know, the best degree we can, but I understand the concept. I want to, share with the, the listeners about, you know, I mean, basically uh, the limited search part and how you're getting the dog's experience and what, you know, right. how you back that up and everything. Cause I think it, it's not obviously something that everybody can do, but if you think through the math and you come up with a way in your training group, I think a lot of people could probably do something close to it. So if you could just kind of explain that, that first step. Yeah. So the, the limited, the limited certification for us, and, and don't get me wrong. When I say limited certification. It does. The limited part applies to the dogs working in the field not to the certification. The dog sure. still passes a full-fledged field certification before you put them out there. 
The limited part, though, is that this dog has been in training. He's been on bite suits. He's been on undergarment sleeves. He's been on the fake arms. He's been on civil fines. All this is in training, though. And the one thing that's missing in training is the real world experience. You can mimic it as much as you want, but you're never going to perfect it. You're not going to have, you know, the, the handlers, they go into a, a, a search-based scenario in training. Their blood's not going. Their adrenaline's not up. All those yep. things are clicking because they know after anyone doing anything really stupid, we're all going to go home safely from this. It's just a training exercise. Yeah. So the handler's feelings aren't going down at least to the dog. The dog's not getting those. So everything is still working at a baseline. And the one thing the dog hasn't proven to us at that point, though, is that he can mimic all these things in a real-world scenario. So now, since he hasn't proven that to us, our limited thing is we certify the dog instead of full certification, but then we put some rules on it. Okay, number one, the dog can only search for reasonably believed to be unarmed suspects. Now, we know that there are times where suspects have been deemed to be unarmed, but at the time sure. we find them, they're armed. But sure. for all intents and purposes, it's unarmed suspects. Then the dog has to, the search team has to be comprised of all canine uh, personnel and one trainer. And the reason for that is if things do go sideways, we have enough experience there on the team to overcome yeah. the problem and bring it to fruition, even though the dog may not give us what we want at the time. Yep. And so there's no issues. And at the same time, you know, when you're, when you're going to canine search and patrol guys, and don't get me wrong, I love patrol guys because they're our bread and butter. But yeah. oftentimes you're spinning plates. You're watching your dog. You're telling your search team, hey, don't do yeah. this, do that. Hey, don't do this, do that. Well, we got a new handler, the new dog. We want to take everything off of his or her plate. So all they have to focus on is their dog stuff. So now you've yeah. got all your canine brothers and sisters there that have the experience to pick up all those loose ends and think for you without you having to think about it then. Yep. yep. Then once the dog has now started finding people, and I, when I say finding people, I don't mean uh, quantity finds. I mean quality finds. Find me that guy where if we didn't use a dog, we would have found him. You know, find yeah. me that guy that you got to go through things that I know that you, the dog, don't like going through, but your driving training is going to make you go through it anyway to get access yeah. to that guy. You yeah. know, so once they start doing that and then they get a few uh, good um, apprehensions under their belt, they get a few good bites under their belt, if you will. You know, yeah. you have to know the dog's going to bite. I mean, that's just the yeah. way it is. It's, you know, people want to use the word contact, apprehension. I mean, the dog's bite. It's you know, a dog bite, yeah. Yeah, it's a dog bite. You can't train a dog to bite and then be surprised when he does bite. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, but, so once he's done that, quality finds, a few quality bites, and we see the handler has control. We see that the handler can tactically deploy this dog and redeploy the dog tactically. Then we'll say, okay, this dog is now where we need to be. This handler's where it needs, needs to be. And then we're going to go and certify them for full certification. But mind you, by the time this dog goes to full certification now, he's had about, you know, some dogs, some dogs, they get a lucky streak. Our last dog in limited, canine Dutch, he had a lucky streak over a weekend. He got nine fines in one weekend and three bites. You know, he, he hit the yeah. mother load. He got, he, he shot his, he, he threw his cards <laughs> on the table and he won, you know. He proved yeah. himself. Proved himself, yeah. And some dogs, it takes a little bit longer, you know, because we're not getting work every single night, every, every second. Yeah. There are down, there's downtime. Yeah. But it really, but it really gives you, good insight into that dog. And so what yeah. happens is you're able to do use this dog in these small little scrimmage games, if you will, which at the end of it will let you know this dog is ready for the Super Bowl. Yep. What you don't want to happen is come out of training, six weeks under your belt, I've been in basic canine course, I come out now, and all of a sudden I get the Super Bowl. Well, this dog yeah. hasn't really played in the scrimmage game yet, so you don't know yeah. what you're going to get. 
Yep. And that's going to cause a problem for you. And that's and where I, I think handlers can kind of take that step back. Yeah. And I believe in that same, during that search, are you following uh, the, the limited dog with another dog just to double check his work? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, and again, the dog, the dog hasn't proven to us that you can find real bad guys. Yeah. You know, and also he's dealing with different environment, different smells. You got alley cats running around. You got pit bulls barking from another yard. You have all these new things. This dog is like, holy crap. And you have the stress of the handler. Yep. And so the handler feels like at times I'm being watched by the other canine folks. I'm being watched by the trainer. So all these things come to play. Everybody's in defense. The handler's in defense. The dog's in defense. So we bring them all together, right? So we know that there's a chance for failure or a chance whereas the dog to get the handler didn't introduce the dog's nose properly to the places where he can get sent. So that yep. way we have a dog, a seasoned dog, fall behind them. And that seasoned dog is just cleaning up behind the, the new dog. Let us know that yes, that new dog did well, this yard is clear. They're putting a seal of approval on it as we go along. Yeah. And I think some people would actually be nervous about doing that. I think it's awesome because it, it either, like you say, it either tells you that the dog's doing good, or if he misses the body, we need to know that now as opposed to Absolutely. When the neighbors call in and say, hey, there's still someone laying under my Absolutely. Head. Or, or we miss this guy and bypass him and, get in, in, and take some rounds to the back or something like that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So and, we're, then, and then, yeah, figure out is this a dog problem, a training problem, a exactly. handler problem, but at least it gives you the right information. I think some people are, are a little nervous about Well, you know, the, that. but that goes back to the training arena. You know, our training is, is, uh, is built on positive and negative reinforcement. That's for the dog and the handler, you know, but it's built on success. It's built for the team to be successful. But the only way the team can be successful is if you identify all the areas that they're weaker in or they're going to be failures in. So what yeah. I mean by that, when you go out to train, I can easily set up a training scenario where the dogs are going to, or any trainer in our unit or any handler in the unit can set up a training scenario where the handler's going to win right away, the dog's going to win right away, and boom, put your dog in the car and go away. That's a false sense of security. Yeah, nobody's any better at that no point. No one's any better. If we're all just doing the same things and talking the same thing, no one's learning anything. We have to set it up where the handler has to think, the dog has to rely on conditioning and problem solving and overcome the problem. You have to expose those weaknesses over and over again. That's the only way you're going to get better. Because what happens is you don't do that in training. You go in a real-world scenario. Everything is multiplied up to Mach 3 now. Yep. And then you have a failure, and all of a sudden, it's a bad dog. This dog didn't do this. The dog didn't do that. Well, was yeah. the dog exposed to it? And that's where your limits come into play. You're able yeah. to expose that dog to things. And I think that small mm-hmm. units can do it, too. I agree. I think we'll get, we'll get into the weeds on resources and stuff. Yeah. So I know you and I talked about that a little bit. I think one of the things that you're talking about, too, that by doing it in training and doing it with the whole unit, you know, no dog's perfect, no handler's perfect. So what, whatever kind of dog you, you're trained in, like, obviously, I've went from patrol, now I'm doing detection dogs. But um, when we set up training, I run my dogs through the same training. And sometimes they do good, sometimes they don't, sometimes I screw things up. And I think by doing those types of of training, especially on the patrol side where you're doing stress decision-making training, um, and the whole unit is kind of exposed, if you will, to you know not being perfect all the time, then when it doesn't go good in the real world, it's pretty easy to come back and say, hey, you know what, I need to work on this part of my dog as opposed to when you're setting up the training that everybody does good all the time, then I go out on the real world, my dog doesn't do something quite right. Now I'm too embarrassed to come back to my training group and say, you know what, my dog missed this guy. I need to work it. So I think uh, what you're describing starts in training and sets a, a really positive um, arena 
for guys to be open about the performance of their dogs and, and be able oh. to come back and talk about problems. Oh, with, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And that, yeah, I mean, you know, before you start thinking about the dog side of things, you have to think about the human side of things, you know, and generally in canine, you're going to get a type personality individuals. You're yep. going to get predators. You're going to get guys that want to go out and find bad guys, want to hunt and beat the bushes, you know, so that, that produces yeah. a, a certain type of personality. So you got to be able to temper that to a certain degree, but at the same time, you have to show them that it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. You know, but luckily for us, you know, our department is, is, is uh, like I said, it's very officer heavy, but we're also steeped in, in certain traditions. We're very organic. What I mean by that is, you know, from day one, these canine handlers, as rookie patrol guys, they've been involved in patrol incidents, perimeters, you know, whatever case may be, search warrants in different units. But at the end of all those capers, every, one thing that happens all the time is a debrief. And in that debrief, it's not a character assassination. It's just a, hey, these are things we did right. These are things we did wrong or could do better. And more importantly, these are things you did right. These are things that you did wrong or could, can do better. And we discuss it. And, and it doesn't get up. personal that way. It doesn't it's get personal just, that way. No, it doesn't it's get just personal. Business. It's just business. Exactly. And I have a rule in the unit. We've always, I shouldn't say it's my rule, but we've always had a rule in the unit because we debrief everything, whether it's after a training scenario or a real world scenario, we debrief it. But one of our rules is that if you didn't bring it up in a debrief, then as far as everyone's concerned, it didn't happen. You can't be a coffee later on the night hanging out and say, hey, remember Mike did this? You know, I was kind of stupid. Well, yeah. why don't you debrief it then? Yeah. You know, because at times I, I may make a mistake that I don't realize I'm making. Or I may yeah. do something with my dog that's inducing something and I don't realize it. But someone from different, their another set of eyes can tell me, hey, man, you know, I saw you do this and the other. And then your dog did this. Is there a connection to that? You know. Yeah. That's a good, healthy environment that um, I think I think that's a step that. In my experience, I've seen people miss that a lot, uh, and then it turns into the the clicks and the, the yes. people who want to the backbite right. about it, whose dog is better. And exactly. We, exactly, we shouldn't be living vicariously through our dogs. It should just be a. And when I say it's a team, I don't think it's a handler and a dog team. I think it's the entire, it's all the handlers and all the dogs put together. Absolutely, you know? it's 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 a team. It's you know, if we go to a perimeter, you know, we go to a perimeter, we usually go at least four dogs deep. And that's what everyone sees. They see they see canine pull up. They have four dogs. They have six dogs. They have eight dogs. Canine gets the dogs out of the car. Canine goes down range. They search for the suspect. Canine either finds the suspect and then they leave, or canine doesn't find a suspect and they leave. But they're never going to say Mike Gooseby showed up, got his dog out, and went down range. They're going to say canine yeah. did. So yeah. all the good goes to canine. All the bad goes to canine. So that's where the team has to come into play. And I think I think I think I know some of your other traditions on this end. And um, as as any team, and any especially when you're as busy as you are, sometimes things don't go quite right. So oh, what absolutely. happens when what happens when it doesn't go quite right? How do you rectify that with the patrol division? Because whether you get ten searches in a weekend like you guys do, or you get one every other week, we're only as good as our last find. It's well, as good as our last find. I always say that you're only as good as your last eight hours. You know, with yeah. the compressed work schedules, obviously our hours are longer now, but. You're only as good as your last eight hours. And so the way it works in our unit is everything is, is built on accountability. You're accountable to the team. You're accountable to your dog. You're accountable to your supervision. You're accountable to the command. But more importantly, you're accountable to your consumers. And your consumers are the patrol guys. You're offering them a service. They're your consumers. And the buyer should always be happy. 
<laughs> so the way, yeah. we work it, <laughs> the way we work it is, we, like I told you, we have 18 handlers. We have 21 patrol divisions. All of our handlers are assigned to patrol division. And a couple of handlers, some of, the, some of the younger guys have more than one. So they're assigned to patrol division. Their job is to go out every once a month or at least once a quarter and provide roll call training to their divisions. Talk about the goods of K9, yeah. how what, what we expect from K, what we expect from patrol guys, what they can expect from us, so on and so forth. They build a relationship with that division. Now, fast forward that to, and then they also have to set up at least once or twice a year a practical application training with their patrol division. Go out and do K9 searches with them, get them involved, show them what we want from them, get them tactically sound. So now let's fast forward to a real world scenario. Let's say that we do screw up because it does happen. Sure. All right. No, not, I show me someone that's perfect, and I'm uh, oh. yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. Okay. So um, <laughs> we go out. We have a bad. We have a miss, or we have a problem. The handler that was involved with that incident, the handler whose dog either had a failure, or the handler screwed up, whatever the case may be. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's going to be handler issue. Nine times, sure. most, most of the time, except the handler sure. did or didn't do. You know. But anyway, sure. because the dog's been proof to that point, but. That handler and the officer, the handlers assigned to that division, they go back to that patrol division. That next day roll call, we talk about a debrief right then out the field, but then they, we hot wash it deeper within our platoon. Then they go out and they go to that roll call of the, of the uh, patrol watch that's on that search, and they lay it out, A, B, C, D, E, what we did wrong, how we rectified it, what training we put in place, and what, we can, what they can expect in the future. We lay on the sword. Absolutely. We lay on the sword. And that's real important. I, I think it's I think it's great, and I don't think it's uh, especially with the the culture that I've seen in your department, and I've seen in a lot of departments. Although it's not a fun thing to do, it's not no. super humiliating because it's just hey, I'm a professional. Sometimes things don't go right. Here's what happened, and by by doing it, it's uh, I think it's better than having uh, people come up with their own scenarios and then Absolutely. decide that all the dogs suck and Absolutely. I'm never calling them again. So. Absolutely. But it builds, uh, but it also builds humility in that handler. Sure. So that way, you like you just said, it's very uncomfortable to do that. Well, guess what? I don't want to do this again, so I'm going to be on my yeah. previous yeah. even more so now. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm but I'll also, make sure it, I search all the area. <laughs> yeah, but also, but also, it 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 helps fight against the palace guard concept or the I'm a prima donna concept because in yeah. our in our unit, it's very easy to fall into that trap. Yep. You know, we get the special equipment. We get to go only go on canine searches. It's very easy to fall into that trap that I'm better than. Yeah. So we always have to keep that real world, you know, I'm just as good as my last eight hours mentality yeah. always circling around the unit. It's real important. So let me ask you, touch base on that. Suppose you guys are working, maybe you're up by, uh, you know, your facility up there by the Dodger Stadium and um, you guys are in the middle of a good training scenario and the call comes out way south. And you know from listening to it that this is not going to be a dog search. It's just you, you just know it, right? How are you going to handle that to, to not have that prima donna thing? Well, what we're going to do is we we listen to it, like you said. We have Air K nine, which gives us all the hot shots, all perimeters. K nine airships get all that stuff, so we'll hear it. We'll even talk to the airship, and he'll be honest with us. But the other still requesting yeah. they want this and the other. Yeah, we're going to dispatch teams down there. We're going to dispatch teams down there. I'll keep the, the guys that are training, yeah. the, the new dogs or guys that yeah. are training, we'll keep them in place. They'll keep on training. We'll, we'll keep yeah. our training going. Hey, yeah. you, you, and you, go down there and assist them. They go down there. They realize it's not a dog caper, but 
we have mirrors, we have this, we have that, yep. we have armor. We'll go out and help you guys search. Whatever yep. you want to search. And they'll get up out there and they'll hand search that area. With, if it's not a doesn't meet our criteria, yeah. our guys will still hand search the area with the, with the patrol guys. And it, it it gets rid of that prima donna because, you know, you haven't got on the radio and said, nope, and made it sound like it's not worth your time. Exactly. You still showed up. You've done as much as you can. Yeah. And, and the, I think that's yes, a absolutely. great practice. And you really want to be, you really want to, you really want to avoid the, we catch them, you clean them syndrome. Yeah. We always catch them, you clean them. You know, you don't, yeah. you, you don't want to fall into that trap. You want these patrol guys to see you as a team, as a resource, as opposed to, oh, here they come again. They're going to have all the fun. And when it's all said and done, I got to sit at the hospital with this guy that got bit. And I got to write out a report. Yeah. So I got to book the body. No, you want them involved. Yep. You know. Which is why on our, all of our searches, unless it's a, a, a suspect that's a fire, shot the police or done something real heinous, you know, nine times out of ten, we're going to put the primary unit that was in pursuit of the suspect and his or her peers, we'll put them in as many search teams as possible. Sure. You know, let them, let them experience let them play. it. You know, and, and Metropol- yeah. Metropolitan Division itself is a very specialized division. So we got a lot of highly trained officers that work crime suppression in different areas. If we get to an area, say 77th Street Division, and 77th Street officers had a foot pursuit, and Metro guys are working there, and they show up in the perimeter, we're still going to put the 77th guys on a search team until the Metro guys to stand down because this is their caper. Yeah. If you want to go on a search team, you go out and get a foot pursuit and find somebody for us to search. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be happy to get help us you. some business, and then we'll... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to play, get us some business. Yeah, I think that's a, absolutely. a great way play. to do it. So we've given a, a pretty quick uh, down and dirty overview, but I think people understand, you know, the, some of the, the nuts and bolts of your unit. I try to keep these podcasts around uh, 20, 25 minutes. So we'll probably cut off here and get you back on for a couple more because I want to get deeper into the weeds about some tactics and some things about resources and, and stuff like that. So if it's all right, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap this up today and then we'll get back on uh, real soon and, and go deeper into about how you guys compose your search teams, how you guys conduct your area searches and the tactics involved in that. Absolutely. You know what, Jeff, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys like this uh, topic and you like this type of uh, conversation, obviously hitscanine.net will give you all the information about Hits 2020 in Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Phoenix, uh, same area. So we have a a beautiful hotel this year for Hits. Uh, It's in the middle of August. It's a great resort, lots of air conditioning, obviously, since we're in Phoenix. We're going to have some great instructors. Mike's going to be there talking about more of this, so much deeper with, uh, you know, videos and pictures and slides and everything. Plus, you have an opportunity to network with a lot of the instructors. So check out hitscanine.net, hitscanine.net for everything. And then if you uh, check the show notes for this, I'll put, obviously, my email is jeff at hitscanine.net. You can contact me for anything. And I'll also put Mike's uh, contact information on there. I know Mike's uh, pretty active on different social media and I, I think you'd be more than open to sharing uh, a lot of this knowledge that he has and uh, Absolutely. always a great great resource so Without a doubt. Mike, we will be uh, touching base with you real soon and I appreciate you jumping on alright sir thank you talk soon if you're looking to make an investment in your canine career come the hits 2020 there's no substitute for the real thing whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. 
You've been there, and we've been there too.